Well, it is very good to be with you this morning, whether it's in person or online. Uh, know that we have a, a number of us that are out today that probably joining us online. I know I've got a couple in my own home that are joining us online because they are not uh, feeling well today. And so praying for those of you that are home and not feeling the best that you would get back to health soon and uh, praying that those of you that are here today would remain healthy and be able to go into the new year strong. How, how many of you are excited about a new year? How many of you are like, yeah, they come and they go, it's like the same old thing? <laughs> like, seen it, done it, like, not really all that excited. Well, I'm excited about the new year, and I, I'm excited because there's an invitation. I believe God is on his throne, and he's calling us to something new, ta- calling us to take new ground for his kingdom. And it begins with you and I accepting his invitation to level up. That'll be our, our theme for the year, it's, and it's going to be something that we'll spend the next four weeks talking about as we step, run, jump, or, or scoot, or whatever it may be into 2024, know this, God is calling you to level up, to, to take a, another step in your relationship with him, calling us as a church to level up. What we were, what we've been in 2023, no matter how good, how great, or whatever, God's desire for each of us and collectively is for us to level up. And to help us with that journey, uh, the the board has graciously agreed to provide a a book for every household. Uh, Many of you grabbed one on the way in. Uh, If you're not able to join us today, sorry, tough luck. Just just kidding. Uh, We'll have those the next several weeks. Uh, They're on the table for you to be able to pick up, Uh, but we are asking one per household at this time to make sure that we have one for for every household. Um, They're available pretty much wherever you buy books or wherever you uh, download books from, you can find that book. If you need any help with that, uh, finding it or whatever, let let me know, Uh, but I think it'll be a book that will help you to level up. Um, Book has four sections which works wonderfully for a four-week series. And so each week, we'll look at one of those four sections. Here's how they're broken down. I mentioned it last week, but here's where we're going. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. That's what it looks like to level up. That's where we're going. And so if you would, humor me this morning and repeat these, say these with me as we go through them. You ready? Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. One more time for this last day of 2023. Get ready to go into 2024 as we know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's what I want for all of us in 2024 in increasing measure. I think at the core of every human being, well, almost every human being, that there may be somebody that doesn't fit this category, but I think almost everybody wants a life 
that knows God, finds freedom, discovers purpose, makes a difference. A, a life of meaning, a life of pers- purpose, a, a life of significance, a, a life that when all is said and done in your life actually meant something to somebody else's life, right? I, I know when my days have come and my body is worm food, I sure hope that the ripple from my life continues on. into eternity, that, that there has been something of my life that has made an eternal difference, a, a lasting difference, a, a, has made significance in other people's lives. I mean, I don't think any of us want a life that's just marked by get up, take a shower, go to work or go to school, or just sit at home, come home, rinse, and repeat. Right? Anybody, like, that's, that's it. If you can just do that, like, hey, I'm good. Yes, the, all of that's included in life, and, and we can't really escape that. Like, that's part of it. But hopefully, our, our life is so much more than that, that we can have a life of meaning, purpose, and significance. And if we want to have a life of meaning, purpose, and significance, there's something that we need to understand. Jason Berry said it this way, your search for meaning, purpose, and significance is actually a search for God. If we're going to find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, we must know God. But don't hear what I'm not saying. Because it could sound like knowing God is just a way, a, kind of a means to an end. But actually knowing God is not just the means, it is the end. That's the life of significance. That's how we get a life of significance. That's how we find freedom. It's, it's how we find purpose because he's the one that made us. And it's only what's done for him that will have a lasting significance. So just like heaven isn't heaven without God, we don't have a life of meaning, purpose, and significance without knowing him. Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about knowing God. love for you to grab your Bible if you brought it in today or... or we got the Bible app. If you have the Bible app, by the way, uh, you can follow along with the teaching notes actually right through the Bible app. There's some information about that in the, the bulletin at the top there. You can also choose Kingston Wesleyan Church as your church, which can be helpful because periodically, especially like a series like this, I look for a, a reading plan that will go along with it, and there's a reading plan that's based on Bible reading plan that's 12 days. It's based on this book. And if you have Kingston Wesleyan Church as your church, that'll pop right up. Now, you don't have to have Kingston Wesleyan Church as your church to be able to find this, but it will be helpful. It'll be a shortcut in finding the reading plan that goes along with 
the book. Romans chapter 1, page 796, if you're grabbing a KWC Bible. We'll pick it up in verse 19. The Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, since what may be known about God, so God can be known, is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. <laughs> Somebody said it, it's kind of like playing hide and seek in the snow. Like hide and seek in the snow is like the, the worst place to play hide and seek because it's kind of hard to hide, right? Like run off and go hide and like, well, just kind of follow the footsteps. Found you. Like God isn't trying to hide. He's not trying to hide the fact that he's God, that he's there, that he's present. We see it in creation, Paul continues to argue. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. The way that we used to say it in Clubhouse is we can believe in what we can't see because of what we can see. As we look at creation, it screams that there's a creator. It should be obvious to anybody that's willing to really take a look that there is a God and that He can be known. Through the years, there's been four different arguments that have been identified in creation that identifies the Creator. I'll just quickly go through these. Most of these I've shared at least once before. Cosmological argument is that something can't come from nothing. It's the whole idea of cause and effect. For every effect, there has to be a, a cause. There has to be something that caused it to exist. That It doesn't just show up. I, I know sometimes, parents, you feel like your children must think that that's the way it happens, right? Like food on the table just doesn't happen. As we look around, something had to cause what we see that is now in existence. But that chain of cause cannot go infinitely into the past. Something in that chain had to start. So logic demands that something externally existed, something outside of what we see initiated, started everything, began what we see. Our universe clearly is not eternal or uncaused. And so logic points to God as creator. The first cause of our reality. The teleological or teleological argument then is that there's clear design and purpose. Not only can we look at creation, can we look around and say this couldn't have just come from nowhere, but if you look around, it seems to be pretty obvious that there was a designer that designed things. Things make sense, right? Like, for instance, science tells us that the, the sun is in the Goldilocks position in relation to the earth. What does that mean? Well, it means that if the sun and the earth were a little farther away, we'd be frozen peepsicles, right? We would be, it'd be too cold for life to exist. If the earth and the sun were like 1% closer, we'd be crispy, 
peeps kebabs. It'd be too hot for humanity to exist. There had to be a God that knew what he was doing, that created life for it to continue to exist, with a sun that would provide heat on a continual basis, but not too warm for us to exist. I've been amazed some years ago, so laid out under the stars and just watched God's creation. Like, wow, what an awesome designer. But nothing compares to seeing the ultrasound of your child that's in the womb and seeing how God has so wonderfully, masterfully knit that child together. And then learning more and more about the human body and how amazing God has created us. And there's so much in God's design. There's things that are evident through a telescope and a microscope that just scream of the divine design and how amazing God is. And we're continuing to learn more and more about how intricate and how amazing God's design really is, whether it's the human body or our solar system. It wasn't until the 1500s that a guy by the name of Copernicus, as he was studying the earth and the sun and just everything, and said, you know what? I, I think that we've had this wrong. All along, we've been saying the sun revolves around the earth, but I'm seeing that it's the other way around. The earth actually revolves around the sun, and it wasn't initially accepted. It, it rocked people's world. But now we generally accept that. I mean, there's still a few that hold out, and they're also the ones that claim the earth is still flat, right? But we learn more and more, and in that we see that there's purpose, that the design has a purpose. It was made a certain way for a reason. The distance of the, the earth and the sun, it's, it's for a reason. And so the, the more we understand God's creation, the more we understand that there's purpose to God's creation. And so we'll talk about God's purpose for humanity and, and more importantly, God's purpose for you next week in part two. I mean, in two weeks, in part three, that it's important that we understand that there is there's purpose for life. And I'm excited about that. Now, the more we learn, I still haven't learned, though, the purpose for mosquitoes. We're not going to figure that one out probably in this, this series. But there's a clear design, there's a clear purpose in God's creation. The third argument is the moral argument. A universal understanding of, of right and wrong. There are things that we just instinctively know this is right and this is wrong. You can watch a television show, watch the news, and, and there's a report, and we all feel in our gut, we all know, like, that is wrong. 
And that same news report, if that's given anywhere else, almost anywhere in the, in the, the, the world, they would go, that's wrong. C.S. Lewis once said this in his book, Mere Christianity, my argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? You see, that moral argument started working in C.S. Lewis as he was an atheist having a hard time believing in God, but then starting to say, well, wait a minute. There's something in me that can say that something's right or wrong. Where did that come from? Anthropologists, those who study different cultures, different people groups, tell us that there's a, a, it's a universal phenomenon, right? That people from different cultures and ethnicities admit that they have within them a moral standard, something beyond them. Something that tells them that they haven't lived up to that. Like, that, that there's a moral compass, a, a universal moral compass, and we see that. Even those that aren't believers, as they study culture, that's what they've discovered. Finally, we have the last argument that we see from creation, desire. Desire. Our desires correlate with a reality. You get thirsty, you have a desire for something to drink because there is something to drink. You get hungry because God made bacon. You, you get hungry because there's, there's something to eat. You have a desire for relationship. Why? Because there is a known reality. There are other people for whom we were created to have a relationship with. However, there are desires that we have that are deeper, something more that we can't see, touch, taste, or smell. Here's another C.S. Lewis quote. If I, find myself if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. That's what Romans 1 is trying to tell us, that we can know that there is a God, but that God didn't just create us to know about Him. He created us to know Him, to have a relationship with Him. Knowing that God is real should affirm and cultivate our desires to then have a relationship with Him. Sadly, as we continue in Romans chapter 1, there are those that don't level up. They actually, what I call, take the demon drop. How, how many of you remember the demon drop at Cedar Point? It was a crazy ride, right? It takes you up, kind of on like a, a little couch almost. Takes you out a little bit, and then, boom, Right? I was scared to go on that ride. I'm not one to, like, the big drops. My, my stomach, like, comes out of my throat, you know, and out my, like, that's how it feels. Wasn't a, a big fan of those. We're going to see as we, we follow in Romans chapter 1, we're going to see humanity 
that takes a just giant plunge. And I think it's similar to the right demon draw, but I think it's also similar in how the demons fell from heaven. Take a look as we continue. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, it's possible you can know Him, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. They didn't really recognize Him for who He was. Didn't really appreciate Him for who He was. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Demon drop, watch it. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God for immortal, or the, the glory of the immortal God for images. And then Paul continues. Check this out. You can just read along with me. It won't be on the screens. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. There's a demon drop. Verse 26. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even, like, can you imagine, Paul basically is saying, even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Again, demon drop. It is falling and it is falling fast. They didn't level up. They're falling into chaos and confusion. We, we pick it up, verse 28, even, even more continue to go down. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. Catch this next one that's just thrown in there. Kids, listen up. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Demon drop. Falling, falling, falling. Chaos, confusion, brokenness, and emptiness all being described here. Verse 32. Although they... Know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these things, these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Demon drop. Falling, falling, falling. Faster, faster, faster. We see this downward spiral. And we see in verse 32. I'm going to read it again. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but also approve of those who practice them. And they fall from the glory of God just like the demons did. Big time drop. And Paul describes the descent of those who choose to ignore God. Here, 
is what we need to understand, that ignoring God leads to a dead end. Unlike the demon drop at Cedar Point, which sadly no longer exists, unlike the demon drop where you get off and like, okay, now we can go do something else. Those who ignore God, ultimately, it leads, it ends in death. I mentioned Copernicus earlier. In 1543, he wrote about that the earth and the sun, that we, the, the earth revolves around the sun, not the other way around it, and people didn't want to take that at first. It wasn't what they had learned growing up. That's part of it. But part of it, I think, deep down inside, I, th I think some of it, there is resistance to it because just like many of us have a resistance or just like some of our kids have a resistance, it, it's hard to hear the words, the universe doesn't revolve around you. And for so long, we thought that everything revolved around the earth. And, and for so long, many people live as if and seem to think that everything revolves around them. And, and probably as a parent, you've had to have that conversation at some point with your children, right? I'm sorry, honey, but the world doesn't revolve around you. You may have said it a little bit differently, but something to that effect. You don't always get your way. And what we see in the demon drop, what we see described in Romans chapter 1, are those that think that the world, the universe, revolves around them. Instead of allowing and seeing that their lives should be revolving around God. And what happens when we live as if everything revolves around us, that we get to choose what we do and how we do it and with who we do it with, Confusion, chaos, destruction, ultimately death. When we choose to live I-centered instead of God-centered. That's what we see described here in Romans chapter 1. I heard it once described that the best way to understand sin is when we put I in the middle. S I N. Pretty good description, definition of sin. But here's the good news, church. There's, there's another way. Paul actually began this passage with a better way. Verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Gospel is good news because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Verse 17, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. There's another way to live. Instead of living where we're ignoring God, there's another way to live, a, a way that is good news, a way that focuses on the work of Jesus Christ and walks in faith. And as we walk in faith, we 
see that God is righteous, that we are not, that we are forgiven of our sins through the work of Christ, the atoning work of Christ on the cross, and that we live by faith. We walk in a relationship with Him. And so the righteous God allows us, gives us His righteousness. That's pretty, pretty righteous, if you ask me. And what does that mean? It means that then we walk in righteousness. We do what is right, right? Right? Somebody, please help me. So the righteous will live by faith. So there's two different ways that we can live. We can level up, or we can take a ride on the demon drop and ignore God. And that's what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7. You know, flip back towards the front, page 686, if you've got a KWC Bible. Matthew chapter 7, we see Jesus addressing two different directions that we can take. One of ignoring God or the one that truly knows God. He writes, or he says this, Matthew chapter 7. We'll pick it up, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? We went to church. We taught Sunday school. We served on the board. We sang on the praise team. Whatever you can, we were agree. Whatever you can, you can throw in all kinds of different things. Not that those are bad, but it's not what matters. Then I will tell them plainly: I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The people that, that knew about God, but they didn't really know God. Because if you know God, then you'll live your life as if He's God, not as if you are. And so Jesus continues. And again, we have the warning, ignoring God leads to a dead end. He then gives us a great word picture of a life that's built on a relationship with him and one that's not. You're probably familiar. We'll pick it up, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Some of you remember the wise man. Some of you know that song. Kim's doing the motions. The rains came down, floods went up, and the house on the rock stood firm, right? Contrast that, verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Here's the takeaway for today. Leveling up comes with knowing and living God's Word. 
Jesus says it himself there in Matthew chapter 7. In this book, as you read the first section, and I would at least encourage you during this week to at least read the first section on knowing God. There's kind of an introduction uh, paragraph or a chapter basically on knowing God and then three chapters that take it another step or that, that can help you in knowing God. And in the last of those chapters is a chapter on getting into the Word and the Word getting into you. A, a chapter on doing what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 7 and the, the wise man building his house upon the rock. Those who listen to my words and then do them. In the book, he lays out some, some really, really great stuff to help us get into the Word, to grow in our relationship with Christ. And as I read it, I just felt like, hey, those are all great things. And essentially, almost every single one of those you can find with the Life Journal. The structure that it provides, a, a reading plan, getting you into the Word on a consistent basis, and looking at God's Word, not to just check off a box to say, yes, I read it, but allowing the Word of God to read you. Like, what is God saying in this that I need to pay attention to, that I need to then go and do? Like, in Matthew chapter 7, that we're listening to God's Word, but then we're doing it. And many of you have been doing the Life Journals, some of you, for, for several years now. For maybe some of you, it, it might be new to you, and you, you haven't really heard about it, you don't really know much about it, whether you're in person or online. Uh, and by the way, we have these, we've got extra copies that are there in the lobby Grab one, uh, you should be able to feel free. This one is not limited, one per household. And this is not something that we say, you know, just wait and, and see if everybody has one. Like, we will make more. It's, it's not a problem. Love to make more of these. This is something, love for you to be able to pass on. I, I know Mary Lou is great about passing these on to other people. Say, like, hey, do this. Because I think she has found that it adds value to her life. Like her, her walk with the Lord has grown. She knows God better, knows God more intimately because she's used the life journal. Not because the life journal is magical, but because it's a, a tool that helps somebody engage with God's word on a consistent basis. So a little bit of help with how the life journal works. And again, this isn't like the only way to study the Bible. And the reading plan that we have in here is not the only books of the Bible or whatever that you should read. I would encourage you to read, read more than that. That's why I've added the reading plan that goes along with this book. But I think it's helpful to, to have a chapter a day to know where to go. And we've selected passages of Scripture primarily the four Gospels, which I don't know if our reading plan has ever covered all four Gospels before. But I made sure that all four of them were in the reading plan for this year because if we're going to know God, one of the best ways that we can know God is to see how Jesus lived, follow his life. And so he'll have all four of the Gospels that will be in 
this year as we enter 2024. But here's the thing, as, as you use the Life Journal, basically it uses the acronym SOAP. And so what it does is you've got a chapter that you're, you read through for the day, and then you're encouraged to pick like a, a verse or a couple verses to really focus in on. And write out that verse. Maybe even work on memorizing that verse. And, and really, then the O is, is we're looking at it, we're observing. Observation, what is this, what is this verse saying? So here's some, some questions that I like to ask as I'm reading God's word. What does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about God? What, what does this tell me about the character of God? If I want to know God, as I read his word, what does his word tell me about himself? So that's one of the questions that I'm asking as I'm reading. What, what does this tell me about God? Another thing that I like to ask is, what does this tell me about me? What does this tell me about me? What is this revealing about me? What is this saying about my attitude? What is this saying about my desires? What is this saying about me? Lord, what do you have for me in this? Which then takes me to the application. And there's some other questions that I would ask as well, but uh, it takes, takes me to the application. Lord, what do you have for me as I've read this? Well, how should my life be different and, and maybe it's not so much a, a change, but here's another, here's a reminder. Here's what I need to do. Here's what the focus I need to have. Here's the thing that I need to stop doing. Here's what I need to start doing. What's the application? And make it as practical as possible. And then the P is simply the prayer. You're going to pray and ask God, thank Him for His Word, and then help Him to ask Him to help you to then live that out, to, to do whatever you Understand that the Holy Spirit, as you walk in a relationship with Him, is leading you to do in response to His Word. Soap, Scripture, observation, application, prayer. You don't have to do it that way, but I found that it's very helpful. Very helpful in engaging God's Word. Let me end with two questions. Two questions. First question. Who's at the center? Who's at the center? And a follow-up question. Really? Who's at the center? Is it, is it you? Is it I? Or is it the Lord? Who's at the center of your life. If 2024 is going to be the year that God wants it to be for you, He's got to be at the center. He's got to be at the center. Second question Will you commit to leveling up by knowing and living? God's word. Will you commit to level up by knowing and living God's word? And if that's a yes, let me suggest to you 
one of the best ways to help that yes see fulfillment is by picking up one of these and then using it. But at the end of the day, whether you use the life journal or not, get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. And let the Word of God get in to you and change you so that you can become more and more like Him. That you can know Him better, and as you know Him better, as you understand His Word more clearly, you'll find yourself finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference. So again, two questions. Who's at the center? And will you commit to leveling up by knowing and living God's word? So Father, help us. Help us. To make you the center. To make you the focus. That we, we build our lives on you, around you. Like Everything is about you. It's not about us. It's not about our desires. It's not about, uh, it's not about our agenda. It's not about what we think is right or wrong. It's about you. It's about your word. It's about living a life that brings honor and glory to your name. Because in the end, it's only that kind of a life that is a life of meaning, purpose, and significance. So help us, Lord, that 2024 would be a year that we get into your word like we've never done before. That we know you more and more, that we walk more intimately with you than we ever have before. And I trust that as we do that, your name will be exalted and more people will know your name and live for your name. And it's in and for your name that I pray, amen.